Welcome to Bite at a Time Books, where we read you your favorite classics one bite at a time. My name is Brie Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. You'll also find our new t-shirts in the shop, including podcast shirts and quote shirts from your favorite classic novels. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes. But also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show, and YouTube, where we have special behind-the-narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear what inspired your favorite classic authors to write their novels— and what was going on in the world at the time, check out the Bite at a Time books behind the story podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Please note, while we try to keep the text as close to the original as possible, some words have been changed to honor the marginalized communities who've identified the words as harmful and to stay in alignment with Bite at a Time books' brand values. Today we'll be continuing Anne's House of Dreams, by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Chapter 37. Miss Cornelia makes a startling announcement. Miss Cornelia sailed down to the little house one drowsy afternoon, when the gulf was the faint bleached blue of the August seas, and the orange lilies at the gate of Anne's garden held up their imperial cups to be filled with the molten gold of August sunshine. Not that Miss Cornelia concerned herself with painted oceans or sun-thirsty lilies. She sat in her favorite rocker in unusual idleness. She sewed not. Neither did she spin. Nor did she say a single derogatory word concerning any portion of mankind. In short, Miss Cornelia's conversation was singularly devoid of spice that day. And Gilbert, who had stayed home to listen to her instead of going a-fishing as he had intended, felt himself aggrieved. What had come over Miss Cornelia? She did not look cast down or worried. On the contrary, there was a certain air of nervous exultation about her. Where's Leslie? she asked. Not as if it mattered much either. Owen and she went raspberrying in the woods back of her farm, answered Anne. They won't be back before supper time. If then... They don't seem to have any idea that there is such a thing as a clock, said Gilbert. I can't get to the bottom of that affair. I'm certain you women pulled strings. But Anne, undutiful wife, won't tell me. Will you, Miss Cornelia? No, I shall not. But, said Miss Cornelia, with the air of one determined to take the plunge and have it over, I will tell you something else. I came today on purpose to tell it. I'm going to be married. Anne and Gilbert were silent. If Miss Cornelia had announced her intention of going out to the channel and drowning herself, the thing might have been believable. This was not. So they waited. Of course, Miss Cornelia had made a mistake. Well, you both look sort of kerflummoxed, said Miss Cornelia with a twinkle in her eyes. Now that the awkward moment of revelation was over... Miss Cornelia was her own woman again. Do you think I'm too young and inexperienced for matrimony? You know, it is rather staggering, said Gilbert, trying to gather his wits together. 
I've heard you say a score of times that you wouldn't marry the best man in the world. I'm not going to marry the best man in the world, retorted Miss Cornelia. Marshall Elliot is a long way from being the best. Are you going to marry Marshall Elliot? exclaimed Anne, recovering her power of speech under the second shock. Yes, I could have had him any time these twenty years if I'd lifted my finger. But do you suppose I was going to walk into church beside a perambulating haystack like that? I'm sure we are glad, and we wish you all possible happiness, said Anne, very flatly and inadequately as she felt. She was not prepared for such an occasion. She had never imagined herself offering betrothal felicitations to Miss Cornelia. Thanks. I knew you would, said Miss Cornelia. You're the first of my friends to know it. We shall be sorry to lose you, though, dear Miss Cornelia, said Anne, beginning to be a little sad and sentimental. Oh, you won't lose me, said Miss Cornelia unsentimentally. You don't suppose I would live over harbor without those McAllisters and Elliots and Crawfords, do you? From the conceit of the Elliots, the pride of the McAllisters, and the vain glory of the Crawfords, good Lord deliver us. Marshall is coming to live at my place. I'm sick and tired of hired men. That Jim Hastings I've got this summer is positively the worst of the species. He would drive anyone to get married. What do you think? He upset the churn yesterday and spilled a big churning of cream over the yard. And not one whit concerned about it was he. Just gave a foolish laugh and said cream was good for the land. Wasn't that like a man? I told him I wasn't in the habit of fertilizing my backyard with cream. Well, I wish you all manner of happiness too, Miss Cornelia, said Gilbert solemnly. But, he added, unable to resist the temptation to tease Miss Cornelia, despite Anne's imploring eyes, I fear your day of independence is done. As you know, Marshall Elliot is a very determined man. I like a man who can stick to a thing, retorted Miss Cornelia. Amos Grant, who used to be after me long ago, couldn't. You never saw such a weather vane. He jumped into the pond to drown himself once, and then changed his mind and swum out again. Wasn't that like a man? Marshall would have stuck to it and drowned. And he has a bit of a temper, they tell me, persisted Gilbert. He wouldn't be an Elliot if he hadn't. I'm thankful he has. It'll be real fun to make him mad, and you can generally do something with a temporary man when it comes to repenting time, but you can't do anything with a man who just keeps placid and aggravating. You know he's a grit, Miss Cornelia. Yes, he is, admitted Miss Cornelia rather sadly, and of course there's no hope of making a conservative of him, but at least he is a Presbyterian, so I suppose I shall have to be satisfied with that. Would you marry him if he were a Methodist, Miss Cornelia? No, I would not. Politics is for this world, but religion is for both. And you may be a relict after all, Miss Cornelia. Not I. Marshall will live me out. The Elliots are long-lived, and the Bryants are not. When are you to be married? asked Anne. In about a month's time. My wedding dress is to be navy blue silk, and I want to ask you, Anne dearie, if you think it would be all right to wear a veil with a navy blue dress. I've always thought I'd like to wear a veil if I ever got married. Marshall says to have it if I want to. Isn't that like a man? Why shouldn't you wear it if you want to? Asked Anne. Well, one doesn't want to be different from other people, said Miss Cornelia, who was not noticeably like anyone else on the face of the earth. As I say, I do fancy a veil, but maybe it shouldn't be worn with any dress but a white one. Please tell me, Anne, dearie, what you really think. 
I'll go by your advice. I don't think veils are usually worn with any but white dresses, admitted Anne. But that is merely a convention. And I am like Mr. Elliot, Miss Cornelia. I don't see any good reason why you shouldn't have a veil if you want one. But Miss Cornelia, who made her calls in calico wrappers, shook her head. If it isn't the proper thing, I won't wear it, she said with a sigh of regret for a lost dream. Since you are determined to be married, Miss Cornelia, said Gilbert solemnly, I shall give you the excellent rules for the management of a husband, which my grandmother gave my mother when she married my father. Well, I reckon I can manage Marshal Elliot, said Miss Cornelia placidly, but let us hear your rules. The first one is, catch him. He's caught. Go on. The second one is, feed him well. With enough pie. What next? The third and fourth are, keep your eye on him. I believe you, said Miss Cornelia emphatically. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books today, while we read a bite of one of your favorite classics. Again, my name is Brie Carlisle, and I hope you come back tomorrow for the next bite of Anne's House of Dreams. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com and check out the shop. You can check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the rest of the links for our show. We'd love to hear from you on social media as well. time.